Dr. Christina Shambro was raised all over the globe as her father served in the United States Air Force. At age 12, she worked on a school project with the Air Force Base Veterinarian in Tokyo, which started a love of veterinary medicine that has continued to this day. She earned her veterinary degree from the University of Georgia in 1980. While in veterinary school, she attended an acupuncture short course taught by doctors Marvin Kane and Grady Young, which cultivated an interest in holistic medicine. After graduation, she became interested in homeopathy and helped Dr. Pitcairn form the Academy of Veterinary Homeopathy. Dr. Chambreau has taught an introductory homeopathy course for years, starting countless veterinarians on their holistic journeys. She wrote the Healthy Animal Journal, a book that assists pet guardians in keeping an accurate health history and has done remote holistic consulting and lecturing. Today, she consults with pet owners who want to provide holistic care for their pets. Please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Christina Chambreau as we talk about attending veterinary school in the 1970s, her varied practice career, her outlook on holistic care for pets, and her current consulting practice. Dr. Chambreau, thanks for joining me. I'm so thrilled to be here. I love what you're doing with these interviews. Thanks so much. So where'd you grow up? I grew up all over the world. My father was in the Air Force, and my uncle actually was an Air Force pilot, and our paths crossed in Europe as well as in the Orient. So I got to see even more places than we live. So we moved every one to three years. Wow. Wow, that must have been fun. It was. I loved it. And we traveled a lot wherever we were. Oh, and I that's, started, that's nice. I actually got interested in veterinary medicine because I was doing a science fair project um, when, I lived, when we lived in Japan, in Tokyo. And I was at the military school. And the first year I did a science fair project with big jars of worms and wrote their life cycles out. The next year I went to the base veterinary clinic and learned how to do fecals. I was 12 oh, and took pictures. My dad had the apparatus, took pictures through the microscope. Yeah. So that is what got me hooked. At the end of the summer of working for the base veterinarian, I walked away with uh, deciding that was what I was going to be, was a veterinarian. And I'm still friends today with that veterinarian who got me started. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. So where did you uh, do your undergrad then? I started at Colorado State University, mm -hmm. and that was 69.70, and I did a year and a half, and then they told me not to bother to apply. Yeah. Why? Your grades aren't high enough. Well, they're the cum of the class. Oh, but you're a woman. We only accept two women, and you need a 4.0. So I quit for a few years, took care of my family. And during that time, three incredible women in Congress had the hardest fight, they said, of their careers. And they're the ones that put together Title IX, which said, you discriminate against women, you lose your money, your federal money. And so in 1975, all of the veterinary schools across the country jumped from two to three to five women, up to 50%, 40 to 60%. <laughs> wow. And so I applied. I had done a year in pharmacy school at the University of Georgia, uh -huh. and then I applied, and so I got into vet school then. So I graduated from the University of Georgia in 1980. Yeah. So was, was your class 50% women then? Oh, at least, yeah. Yeah. It was right around the 50%. 
I don't know. Nice. I don't remember exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How big was your class? Hundred, maybe. Yeah. Something like that. Did you enjoy your school? Yeah, it was fine. It, it, I mean, it was just vet school was vet school. You know, I slogged through it. And I don't know how I heard about it, but my junior year, I drove up to Chattanooga because I remember eating at the Chattanooga Choo Choo. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I took a, um, a weekend, one day or two day, I can't remember, um, class from Marvin Kane and Grady uh. Young on acupuncture. And they, the vet school amazingly allowed me as a senior project to do a one month experiment where we brought in um, open angle glaucoma beagles. And I used Marvin's points on one of them, Grady's points on another one. And obviously this isn't really good TCVM because I was doing points for a condition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't, none of us probably knew any better at that point. Yeah. And, um, and then I had a control group. Nothing, it didn't help. <laughs> That's amazing though that they would let you do that. I know, I know it was. And I don't remember how in the world it happened, but I was able to do it. So I had that little bit of an introduction to holistic medicine. That's amazing. Pe people that I, you know, got to know later on. I got started in homeopathy just two years after I graduated. What kind of practice did you go into after school? Small animal. But actually what I was doing is I was in the DC area and I had worked at the National Institutes of Health. And these the men working there were phenomenal. This is the Department of Lab Animal Medicine. Brilliant men who loved veterinary medicine. So they moonlighted at a bunch of clinics at night. There was maybe eight clinics that these four or five uh, veterinarians moonlighted at. So I sort of followed them around when I was working as an internship with National Institutes of Health. And so when I graduated, they were leaving, actually. They were all retiring. So I took over these different practices. So I worked at about four practices a week. Wow. Which was a great introduction, really, to learn that there were some diseases. Now, this is purely conventional. There were some diseases that there is a treatment for. You give insulin if it's diabetic. And then there were other diseases like kennel cough. Every single clinic I worked at, and I worked at not just those four, but about four others as well, part occasionally, had a different treatment for kennel cough. Yeah. So it was very easy when I started in holistic medicine to say, wow, animals are individuals. People are individuals. We may need different treatments because I had seen it in yeah. that. That kind of varied experience is, is, is really helpful. Yeah. When you get to observe other practices that it's really good. And, you know, my joy in the last 50 years, last 40 years has been teaching. And one of the reasons I'm good at it is probably from that early experience of seeing that there were multiple ways often and different animals responded differently so I am very middle of the road. When my clients, after about mm, 20 years, asked me to write a book, 
I said, yeah, there are enough good books out there on holistic health for animals. I, I don't need to reinvent the wheel again. But then I thought what's missing is there's no one right answer. How do I know if my animal is really being helped by the approach that I'm using? Yeah. So I wrote the Healthy Animals Journal. Talk and about then, that. Which was a, is a print book, still yeah. available. Probably have 100 left of the initial printing. Uh-huh. And then I created the Healthy Dog Journal and the Healthy Cat Journal. Okay. Um, so I realized that what's really important isn't so much what people choose to do. It's their ability to track the symptoms and know, well, when I feed this kind of a diet, my dog has better energy, the appetite's great, the hair coat looks good, or I'm going to try so-and-so's diet. Oh, you know, he just seems to be gassy all the time on that one. So I realized I want, so when I'm speaking to veterinarians and I've done lecturing at conventional conferences like NADC and Atlantic Coast, Ohio, and uh, many others, um, as well as the holistic conferences and teaching courses on my own, I've been able to walk that line saying, you know, it's not wrong to do this. It's not wrong to do it this way. What's the result? Yeah. And what's the result at the deepest level, not merely symptoms? Clients come to us so often, I I want the itchy ear to stop. I want the itching to stop. I want the diarrhea to stop. And sure, we want the animal not to be in misery, but the shift needs to be how do we rebalance the underlying energy field, bioenergetic field, so that the body heals itself of the diarrhea, the itchiness, and everything gets better on its own. And so I'd been, I was working at a practice in um, Upper Marlboro, Maryland, Mm -hmm. and my boss wanted to sort of stake his claim in this one shopping center a ways away from the main clinic. So I was sent there with no tech and no receptionist a couple of days a week to man this little veterinary clinic. Uh-huh. And one day a woman came in and she said, would you draw blood from my dog, nice big basset, and send the results to an, a veterinarian who's about an hour and a half away from here. Um, He's my homeopathic veterinarian. And I said, well, sure, I'll do that. No problem. So I drew the blood. And uh, then I said, what, what's homeopathy? And she is a psychologist and had been using, studying homeopathy for about five years and having some interesting successes with it. So um, she introduced me to homeopathy and I called this vet and I said, tell me about it. He had done the first course offered by the National Institutes of Health, uh, taught by George McLeod. So it uh-huh. was a weekend course. Yeah. And George McLeod is so wonderful, and he's such an entertaining person and so brilliant. But his book is Symptomatic Approach. Mm-hmm. 
doesn't really teach you deep healing, doesn't really teach you about the basic principles. So his course hadn't taught that. Yeah. So this veterinarian sent me two homeopathic medicines for cats with bladder, cats with cystitis or bladder issues. Yeah. Okay. I stuck them on the shelf. That was about it. And then a few months later, my boss was seeing a client whose cat had been on antibiotics for three years for cystitis. Every time they pulled off the antibiotics, even for a couple of days, the symptoms would return. Mm -hmm. So I said, Neil, I got this stuff. Dr. So-and-so sent it down. Should we try it? And he said, sure. Then he looked at me and he said, you go ask her. (laughs) (laughs) I said, well, and I said, okay. So I introduced myself and said, this veterinarian up the road has been using homeopathic medicines with success. And this is, these are remedies for bladder problems. So I said, are you interested? And she said, well, yes, I am. Tell me more about it. Uh, I don't know anything more about it. <laughs> the vet up the road is having success with it. That's all I can tell you. Yeah. So people say that many, many holistic treatments are placebo effect. And this is a perfect example. Even the owner didn't have any information to have a belief that this would particularly be healing for her cat. Yeah. Now, I probably did a very conventional um, prescription is my guess. I probably did give two pellets twice a day for two weeks or something like that. I don't remember. Yeah. And But the result was for the next year that I was at that practice, the cat was fine and off antibiotics the entire time. Wow. So that was the hook from the sky that said... Yeah. Okay, pursue this. Yeah. So that was the beginning of homeopathy. And concurrently, I was working for an organization called The Hunger Project, and I was leading seminars for them, um, the the, um, Ending Hunger Briefings. And I was training Ending Hunger Briefing leaders. So that got me in front of the room. And within a few years of studying homeopathy and beginning to use holistic approaches, I had, was approached by a client who I had helped to talk to her church. And then PETA in Maryland asked me to do a talk. And I had, you know, maybe 30 people to the first talk. And this is in oh, 1987. Oh, wow. And had like 150 at the PETA talk. They were uh-huh. standing out, they were lined up, standing in the back of the room and outside the room, listening in. And I did a few more holistic talks like that, mostly diet toxins, things like that. And then Dr. Pickheron was doing an extensive course. um, And he didn't want to teach the intro. And he and I had been working together to create the Academy of Veterinary Homeopathy along with Jana Rigas. And so he knew my teaching and he knew I was teaching. And so he asked me to do the intro course, a two-day intro, mostly pretty much all veterinarians. And I said, okay. And then I went, oh, what am I doing? (laughs) And it worked great. It was brilliant. It was in um, Santa Fe. And the 
structure that I put together for that course is actually the one that I still use today and that works wonderfully because it just walks people through the whole process yeah. of treating animals with homeopathy. And um, after that, I did another one and another one and just kept on teaching. Oh, my goodness. So what were you doing practice-wise at this time? Um, by 1987, 1988, um, I had switched to doing 100%, 95% telephone consulting homeopath for homeopathy. Yeah. And that came about, you know, normally what veterinarian thinks about doing teleconference, you know, doing telephone work, I mean, prior to COVID. Yeah. Um, but there were people who were at all of these courses I was at, these conferences, um, National Center, Summer School, things like that. So there were people who had been studying homeopathy, using it with their family, and they wanted a veterinarian to help them. And there were only about 10 of us, or there were about 20 of us probably doing it. And a few of us decided, okay, maybe we can do it by phone. And it turns out homeopathy really lends itself to telephone consulting. And we'd consult with the veterinarian for tests and physical exam. And then we would consult with the client for those individual quirks that are so important in finding the similimum or the homeopathic medicine that matches. Yeah. And um, so it worked fine, worked by phone. And I continued doing that until about six years ago. When I turned 65, I look to see what brings me the most joy. And I realized that in the last three or four years, my practice income had decreased dramatically. And the reason was that I was referring the cases to other homeopathic veterinarians who work by phone. Yeah. Because I sort of didn't want to treat cancer anymore, didn't want to treat diabetes anymore. And so I realized what I really wanted to do was a coaching practice yeah. where I help people, where I hold their hand basically and move them from wherever they are. Never heard of holistic, done homeopathy or Chinese medicine or chiropractic for decades and move them to whatever new understanding they need to help their pet at this point. Tell them things they can do at home that are totally safe and match them up with whatever veterinarian they and I together think is the best. Yeah. So while I may think that a homeopathic veterinarian would be best for the animal, the client may be someone who has had super success for herself with acupuncture or other Chinese herbs. Mm -hmm. And when I look, there's a good local, well-trained um, acu veterinary acupuncturist. So then I'll recommend veterinary acupuncture because that's what the client's leaning to, and I think it'll work for the animal. So basically, I tailor, I don't take on being the vet. I take on coaching them to get where they need to go. Gotcha. How do you keep, it's so frustrating for me, and I'm sure for other holistic veterinarians, when a client says, I've got a friend in Santa Fe, who's looking for a holistic vet, How do you, have you just developed a network over years of where to look for these people? Because, you know, we just don't have a good central database. Right. Absolutely. So what I've done, and it's on my website, which is christinashambro.com, 
from a computer, doesn't always work on the phone <laughs> or mobile devices, whatever those things are called. Um, so at my website, I have an article in the links section of how to find and work with a holistic veterinarian. And in the Holistic Actions Academy, which we'll talk about in a minute, we have a whole, we have that article also there. Um, and what I've done is educate people on how to tell if a veterinarian is really thinking the way they want to think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so at the end of the hour, at the end of the time when I'm speaking with somebody doing pet health coaching, I've shifted them from wanting to get rid of the symptoms to wanting to build overall health. And so I want them not to go to a veterinarian who's conventional and did a weekend acupuncture course and is putting in needles for glaucoma or needles for hip problems. I want them going to somebody who's got the real holistic approach and is working at building health and building balance and vitality. And then I give them... I've given, I have a list of all of the different organizations and I, now the, the pet health coaching people, I find the vet for them. I do all this for them, but this is how I do it as well. I go to whatever modality we've decided we want, or I go to all of them if I don't know of anybody in that area and I go to their website or I call them and I see you know, how does it sound? Are, are they, do they sound like they're a good holistic approach? And I may have to go because holistic veterinarians can't belong to every organization. And some of them are trained in so many modalities that sometimes in an odd area, I may have to look for a whole lot of different people. But my fallback is the several websites, including CIVT, actually, um, for homeopathically trained veterinarians. Yeah. So homeopathically trained veterinarians have the option of working by phone. And then there's a smattering of other veterinarians who are working by phone. So Dr. Katie Kangas, Dr. Sue Howell, um, Dr. Devakar Khalsa, I think Sean Messonnier maybe does. So there are various... And, and I keep adding them to my list. I actually do have, nope, it's not right here. I do have a big blue notebook because I did something called the veterinary advice line about 15 years ago um, where people were paying for healthcare services for their employees. And this was part of it. So I do, I am able to look there. And every time I'm at a, I'm at a conference, I'm asking people, what's your practice like? What do you want? And then, so that's how you find people. Yep. So would you fall back? The fallback yeah. is telephone consulting. If there's nobody there, yeah. Then how do you work with a with a conventional vet while you're doing holistic by phone? Gotcha. So when you've identified perhaps some candidates for your client, um, are you checking out clinic websites then? Mm-hmm. Which can yep. be frustrating, I imagine, given my experience in trying to do that to, you know, to look at uh, potential referral sources. Well, you know, probably the way I'm doing it, I may be missing 
some very good veterinarians. Because sometimes the holistic veterinarian is is given short shrift. Yes. And on the website. Yes. Yes. However, a lot of so I know I'm missing a few good people, but most of the time, if the website does not at least have a bio of the holistic veterinarian, and in that bio you know where they've studied, and you've been around enough to know you know, what you want to look for there. If the bio talks about, so, you know, I may have pulled up um, 10 Chinese medicine veterinarians and I go to one and the only thing they talk about is rehab and we're dealing with a liver disease. Yeah. I'm going to go to the next website or it may be, they may say the whole clinic may be rehab but in the bio, it says um, Dr. So-and-so is uh, excited for the wealth of healing that's present with Chinese medicine approaches or something like that. Sure. So you can, you can read into most of them. And, you know, if they have just zilch about holistic on there, then it may not be the best, the best match. Now... If I'm in an area, I definitely want this client to have a hands-on person. And there's one that isn't, or there are two that it's not clear, then I call them. And part of it is from the receptionist. Sure. You know, if I say to the receptionist, um, do you know, um, do you have a veterinarian? Does Dr. So-and-so, is Dr. So-and-so still there and doing acupuncture? Nope, they left five years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. But if they say, yeah, and I say, well, can you tell me, do they treat just one kind of condition or did they treat a variety of things? Um, and the receptionist goes, oh, I have no idea. Could I talk to a technician? Or is the veterinarian available for me to speak with? Often I'll start with that. So, yeah, it, it, it's a bit of a challenge. But, you know, we have exactly the same thing with people. Uh, when I'm when I moved here to Florida, I was without my entire holistic healing team, so I had to start from scratch building a holistic healing team, and I still haven't gotten it put together. <laughs> I'm working on it, but it can it really yeah. it really can take a while, and you just have to reach out and you sometimes have to try one. In the old days. Even today, I recommend, I, I suggest to clients that if there's a vet in town that they've heard really good things of who's conventional or the vet they've been going to for years, one of two things, invite them out to dinner or lunch mm-hmm. so they're not in the clinic listening to, how's that surgery going? Oh, is that tech handling, you know, that they can focus on you yeah, or schedule an appointment and do it in the clinic and just say, I need to talk about the way I'm starting to think about health. So one of the things I've loved has been getting involved with Dr. Jeff Feynman and the Holistic Actions Academy, mm-hmm. because what we're doing is really holding people's hands and helping them go through that process of creating a holistic team for themselves, of making a decision. Do I have to go to the ER what if nobody's taking anybody? 
Uh, so we're there to basically empower people to make good healthcare decisions for their pets. For example, um, somebody called me for their regular appointment. They get a members get 15 minutes with Dr. Jeff or I, and we're not treating their animals, but we're answering their questions. And she said um, that she was in a pickle a week before because she hadn't yet put together her holistic team. Her dog was in a park and she saw the dog eating some, uh, some white powder and she was freaking out. And then she saw another pile of white powder and she didn't get a sample of it. But she immediately went home. Dog was fine. No symptoms. No symptoms at all. But she was panicked. And so her first idea was, I've got to go straight to the emergency clinic. She called them. They wouldn't see her. She called five other veterinary clinics. They wouldn't see her. And then she went, oh, I can post something on the forum. So she posted on the forum all of that, and that her dog didn't have any symptoms. And then community members or veterinarians would get back to her on the forum and say, you know, why don't you watch? She'd already given some charcoal tablets. Uh, Why don't you watch and let's see how your dog is doing? And so that gave her the peace of mind. Oh, I don't have to run around trying to get, get an exam. So that really helps people a lot. And I love being able to empower people. And you can see the difference. People who've been with us for like two years are saying to the other people, well, how do they feel overall? How are they looking? How's their energy? How's their mood? Um, And so if you have a dog who's limping or a dog that's had diarrhea, what's the context? What could have triggered that? So it's really wonderful to see the, the and, and it helps veterinarians so much. I've talked to veterinarians who have clients who are members of Holistic Actions, and they say, you know, those clients aren't calling me for silly stuff and aren't coming in and when thinking it's an emergency when it's not really an emergency. And it's so nice that I don't have to keep telling people the same thing over and over and over again about ticks and fleas and nutrition and vaccines and all of that, because the, those that are members of, of your group have heard it all. And they they know there's different opinions and different approaches and different ways to do it. And most importantly, they're committing committed to building health and vitality. So they're not coming to me saying, fix this. They're coming to me saying, what can we do to improve the overall health? And as a holistic veterinarian, Neil, you know, that just is juice for you. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. To be so able I'm to, happy uh, with yeah. where I am now with, um, you know helping empower people and veterinarians. There are even some veterinary students yeah, who have come to Holistic Actions and who have learned a lot. Uh, of course, they get to come for free. Nice. Nice. Um, do you have a sense that um, some schools have been a little more progressive than others in, in uh, helping their students with their holistic aspirations? Yep, absolutely. Um, some schools overall are, like Louisiana, for instance, Mm -hmm. has a um, head of integrative medicine. 
it was Dr. Ko, and now it's Dr. Lori. Can't think of her name now. Yep. Um, so, but they actually have a head of integrative medicine, which is wonderful. Yeah. And then there are other schools where for a few years it'll be really strong because there's a faculty member there, and then it deteriorates. And then in other schools, the dean is totally anti anything holistic. And um, even if there's a member or two of the faculty, they are not encouraging the students to do it. So we need to look more at how can we empower students and, you know, offering acupuncture courses to students and things Mm -hmm. like that is great, but we need to be following up with all of the holistic, any student who's shown any interest in holistic should get followed up with a lot after they graduate, because that's when they're going to stick with holistic or drop holistic, I think. You bet. You bet. And impress them, I think, with, hey, this acupuncture isn't just a tool, but it's it's a lifestyle, you know? Oh. And it will, that that kind of a lifestyle will help decrease their stress as a practitioner. Absolutely. Absolutely. Really important. Well, Dr. Chambro, I think this is probably a good spot to pause. I really appreciate you taking the time, and I just personally want to thank you for everything you've done for me and for our medicine. Thank you. I have done a lot over the years, and I'm so thrilled that so many people like you have stepped up and are taking it all to the next level, and I love that. Well, it was great to see you a few weeks ago, and I look forward to the next time we can see each other in person. Absolutely. Florida, if not before. (laughs) Good. All right. (laughs) Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. ZIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian, veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.